Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Red Light Hockey Podcast. This is episode 60, and we're having the full crew tonight. We've got Chad and we've got Paul. What's going on, Chad? How is sunny California? Fantastic. Um, the West Coast is just better in every single way. <clears throat> There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Everyone who lives on the East Coast who says it's better, I'm just convinced I've never been to the West Coast. Other than pizza or any bread, bread-based items, in like those two weeks where it's not so where it's fall and it's not cold yet, the West Coast is better in every single way. That's what I got. That, that, that is How about opinion. you, Paul? I, I mean, am, it's pretty factual. But. I watched the Daytona 500 today and that's all I did. So I'm happy. Some random guy won. I've never heard of the guy who won. It was like his eighth start. Yep, eight start, first start in his rookie year, Austin Cindric, uh, mm-hmm. former uh, second-tier champion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good way to start his rookie year. Mm-hmm. I love NASCAR. NASCAR's fun. Doesn't get enough love either. It but, does not. Uh, NASCAR Live is electric. Also, you're Canadian. Why do you like NASCAR? I have been a racing fan since I grew up, since, like, I was five. F1, GP, any of that or no? Uh, a little F1, no GP, Indy, sprint cars, dirt okay. stuff. Yeah. I went to I went to the NH, what is it, NHRA? The the yeah. NHR the the dragsters. Yeah. NHRA. Unbelievable. All the, that stuff is crazy. How that feels. I don't know. I mean, Liam, I assume you've been like a part of it too, being in the military and all that, but you just you're standing there and it feels like someone punches you in the chest repeatedly for like 15 seconds while it's driving down the, for like five seconds while it's driving down. It's crazy. It was like, uh, I've drag raced before. It's like the most unenjoyable spectator sport too, because you just feel like you're constantly being attacked, but <laughs> it was, it was very fun to go to. And I'm glad I went, I would probably never go again, but I'm glad that I went. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the most that anyone's ever talked about racing on a podcast ever i think so <laughs> the, my favorite thing is i uh i, I like doing the truck pulls the what truck pulls oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but racing's fun i usually go to sonoma here the road course out here at uh oh, what's it called sears point it was yeah something out there. it was it is sears point but it was now something else i think but yeah a lot of hockey to talk about a lot of stuff going yeah. on we have to start with a couple topical ones First of all, Igor Shesterkin. You see, did you guys see this? The goalie goal or almost goalie goal? I have not. I have not. We are, we're recording. Well. We're recording now, 9 p.m. East Coast. Happened about an hour and a half ago. Shesterkin took the puck from behind his own net, shot it all the way down, and probably missed a goal by, I would say, two or three inches. I think it hit the base of the net as it went past the net. So just to do that, you got to be close. But Goalie goals are the best, man. We need more goalie goals. Um, it's good to see, though. It's just Durkin looks so dejected because, you know, NHL goalies probably get two shots a season at it, if that, you know, and Shesterkin playing how he is. If he gets a goalie goal, I mean, give him the Vesna now. But, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome to see. And uh, pretty awesome to see the Rangers still in that playoff spot, still kind of rolling in the in the East. In the Metro, which is just, you know, I mean, we'll see. It's not the Atlantic. This is going to be fun. Should we get right into the Eastern Conference? Because there is a lot to talk about in this division. 
I actually wanted to start with the Olympics, but sure, we can start with these. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, we should start with the Olympics because that's over now. Yeah, um, they, they had the closing ceremony today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Paralympics start up soon. And then the uh, front of the show came on, one of our first ever guests uh, will be competing in the Paralympics. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean Kite with the, with the Canadian Deaf Olympic team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll be rooting for you, buddy. But uh, yeah, no, the Olympics were, were great. Uh, Canada won gold in the women's, and Finland won gold for men's. Uh, I believe was it Russia won silver in men's, and Slovakia won bronze in men's. Um, for the women, it was America who got silver, and I'm not sure who got the the bronze. Yeah, I mean Slovakia came out of nowhere. That's who beat yeah. the U.S. and who got the U.S. out of the out of the tournament, but that was pretty wild. So, um, yeah, I don't even know really what to say because I don't. Are there any NHL former NHLers on this Slovakia team? Uh, Looking through it, it doesn't look like it. Let's no. Uh, there was a former NHLer coaching, I believe. I think Eliash was coaching it. And uh, other oh, there than that, was a Martin Marincin, he's a former Leaf. Oh, yeah. Marincin. Uh, Peter Shalark, Marco Dano, Mark and, Mark, uh, Merrick Havlik, uh, Thomas Yurko. Oh. Yurko? Hey, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, there's a couple former NHLers on there. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like Marincin. I like he was a good player, but he was like one of those guys that like he uh, he never played up to his size, you know. He played was too that? soft for his size. Marison. On the when he at least when he was with Toronto, he always played too soft for his size. Like he was a big stay at home D man, but he would try to oh, play. Oh, Marinchin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was blanking. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they kind of screwed with him though. They had him scratched most of his career there. Yeah, but good good for them to win the win the bronze. I mean, talking about an upset, and then Canada, well, poor showing my team Canada's Olympic team, but that's also I blame the coaching on that. That's typical. No. Uh, coach. I blame management. Management put together a horrible team. Yes, and then but I like I, I feel honestly I feel like Canada played better under Jeremy Colton the one game that he coached than he did with uh, Claude Julien. Just the, a good, the Canadian team uh, was a joke. It should have been. How do yeah. you how do you justify putting Daniel Winnick on that team, who was never fast even in his prime in the NHL? Yeah, and then you have uh, your your top power play man, Dale Weiss, Claude, Claude Julien's favorite power play guy. Again, it was just it was just a horrible tournament. I don't think there's any other way to really slice it or dice it. It's just the men's tournament was horrible, as it has been for the last few years. It's how it's going to be until they let yeah. NHL back in. Which the, the NHL, NHL was lets them back in. Yeah. The NHL said they're going to be going back next Olympics. Yeah, they, they need to start up the world like a World Cup again. They are, is, it's just planned for uh, 2024. Yeah, it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. Is that is Sammy Votnin? That's not the Sammy Votnin who's like the duck Sammy Votnin. No. Yep. It is. Oh, it, it is. is. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, good for him, but 
yeah the women's cut the women's is always better i feel like since i mean yeah. i guess it's not if it was Sidney crosby against ov or you know if you had sebastian aho or who else is a good finnish player in the nhl right now aho's finnish right yeah that yes. makes that up okay yeah if you had one of those matchups in the finals of the men's i bet you obviously that might be a might might get some better ratings but still the canadian and united states women's hockey rivalry unlike That's any a, other yeah yeah and also uh, fun fact for you um that women's game beat the tv ratings for the last i can believe three stanley cup finals or something like that in the states mm-hmm. yeah i no saw it, mb uh, NBC tweeted something about it. Like that, that game beat the TV ratings from the last like three cup finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, especially when you consider too, that uh, Canada and the United States have a rivalry in women's soccer somewhat too. Yeah. It makes it even a little bit better. You know, the Canadian and United States women, not fan of fans of each other. If they are in the, the realm of hockey like, or soccer. I feel like Canada and us have a rivalry in all of our sports though. Not really. And all the sports I mean, that we're all sports that we're good at, at least at least in the Canadian. Which side. is which is like one sport. What what hockey. else do you have a rivalry with? Just hockey and I guess soccer, hockey, but soccer, rugby. But soccer, you can't the US women's team is better than the Canadian team. I don't think that's really debatable in soccer. I mean, I mean in soccer, who's the goal, defending gold medal champion from the last Olympics? No one cares about Olympic soccer. Who's won the last I mean, like three World Cups? I'm just saying, you Canada I don't know either, so. Canada's <laughs> holding the gold medal right now. So, yeah, okay. I mean, and Finland's holding the gold medal in Olympic hockey. So, does that mean they're the best hockey nation in the world? No, because tournaments that people don't care about don't hold any weight. <laughs> you know, if, if this tournament had NHL players in it, I mean, the U.S. would have been what the would the final have been U.S. Canada, probably right. In men, Sweden. Uh, in the men's side, Sweden would have had a sneaky good team. The Russian yeah. Olympic Committee, whatever, would have been good. Um, the Russian mm-hmm. Olympic Committee probably would have won because they don't they have Vasilevsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that they might have won, but it would have been a lot more fun. I can tell you that. Yeah, but, um, it it definitely would have been a lot more interesting. It would have gotten a lot more eyes on it, especially if you take like hell. Even the Czech team would have been a lot more fun to watch. It's, yeah, I don't know what to say. It also, did we did we hear anything about COVID during these Olympics at all? Yes. I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Did yeah. we? Yeah. What happened? Okay, I didn't hear this. Uh, team Russia's women had COVID, and then they didn't have COVID, and then Team Canada played a game wearing a mask against them and still beat them. The um, – the... Yeah. But, like, all the women for Team Canada played the, played the full game wearing, wearing masks. They were so wearing, did Russia. The, the, yeah. Um, the yeah the, the, game. the medical staff for the Russian women's team wouldn't release the uh, their COVID results. Um, so the Canada said, no, we're not playing until we get the results. It lasted for about an hour. And then Canada said, fine, we'll play. But we, you guys have to wear masks. Russia said, okay, you have to wear masks too. Canada said, okay, we'll still beat you. I mean, it's almost like masks don't really affect your everyday life. Uh, you want to know what would be fun to see, though? It'd be fun to see a U.S. versus Canada brothers and sisters match. It'd be oh, really man. cool to see. Yes. It would be it would, that would be kind of cool to see, like, because there's, I mean, there's a handful on each team, right, that yeah. have 
I mean, Amanda Kessel, you have, uh, I know Mark Edward Vlasic's sister plays in the, in the PF, what's it called? PHF. Yeah. Like you, you'd have like a pretty good combo, I think of high level players. I think that would be a fun thing to, a fun way to promote the women's game too. If you did I'd like watch that for a while, the NBA did during their all-star weekend, they did a shooting stars thing where they would do a legend, a current player and a women's player from a city. So it would be, you know, like Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, and Lisa Leslie. And they, they'd do a competition together at the All-Star Game. I think that would be fun to do something like that. I don't know. I don't know how many you could actually do. I bet if you expanded it to, like, the coast and the AHL and, and like, women's college hockey, I bet you could get a lot of guys, a lot of people to play in that. But, yeah, that'd be fun. And also, just before we wrap it all up with the women's uh, sports or women's hockey. Um, I don't know if you can agree or disagree with this, but I think Mary Philippe Poulain is probably got to be up there now with best Olympic hockey players ever. Yeah. Because she, she scored a goal in the last four Olympics in the last four gold medal games. Mm-hmm. She's the only yeah, player in history to ever do that. Definitely the best. I mean, definitely the best women's hockey player ever. Um, men's is a little different just because – I mean, Crosby would have made this one. And when did he – he made 06, did he? No, I don't uh, think he no. made 06. 2010. Yeah, so 2010, he would have made 2014. He would have made 2018 and 22. And but, Canada but probably score, would have been he, in the – Canada probably would have been in the – but yeah, yeah. But he didn't score a goal in the, in the, in the gold medal game in 2014. Yeah, but what? But he, didn't he score the winner? Oh, that was 2010. In Vancouver yeah. when he scored the So that, that's that's the point. Like like many Philippe scored the game winning goal in the last four gold medal games for Team Canada. Scored the game winning goal? Yeah, in the last four like, Olympics. Nice. Yeah, I mean that Crosby goal though, it's gotta be off top. That's the most famous Olympic goal, almost Olympic moment, really in our, our lifetimes, right? I mean oh, that, absolutely, that absolutely. Yeah, it's the golden goal. That's yeah. probably one of the greatest hockey goals in our generation. I think. Yeah, you think you think that you think uh, was it Kane scored that winner against Phil? Was no, it wasn't Philly. Phil, Philly, yeah, yeah, it was a it Philly that in? that winner. Yeah, yeah, like there, there, there are goals that are that electrifying, and the Kings won in an overtime, didn't they? Didn't am I making that up? And the Kings won in overtime, yeah. Stanley Cup game. Martinez. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, that Crosby goal is pretty outrageous. Um, I think yeah. I think the biggest thing with the with the Patrick Kane goal was even the goal. I think it was more of a celebration. <laughs> yeah, just the whole like heart thing. And now that heart. that day is going to live in infamy now because of everything that happened after. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited that we don't have to talk about these Olympic teams anymore, though. The men's side. The women's yeah, side is yeah. awesome. It's, it was an electric tournament from what I only – I'm not going to sit here and say I watched a bunch. I didn't. I watched a few. The times really messed with me. And I remember waking up one morning at like 7 a.m. and seeing the can, the Canadian women's team playing. I was like, what? What? Is this a live game? And just like yeah, being so yeah. confused. But, um, but, yeah, I'm excited for the next Olympics. Hopefully the NHL gets their act together and hopefully they can – can make it in. What do you keep putting on your hands, Liam? I have really dry hands. It's uh, it's it's working hand cream. Oh, okay. Other like knuckles and stuff. Oh, yeah. Nonetheless, 
I think we should move on to the NHL now. They're back. Yeah. A lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of teams to talk and about. Talking about the women's uh, Olympic women, it's a good transition to the NHL because the ECHL uh, team for the Habs offered many to put in a contract to like, mm-hmm. play for them, and she said no. Mm-hmm. How, about, how about you help roll women's hockey instead? Mm-hmm. And anyway, but yes. Well, now, now it's actually going to be yeah. No, yeah, the I mean, I think we should start with the Metro. Sidney Crosby got his 500th goal. I mean, good for yep. the kid. He's there's a few athletes, and it's really like Bryce Harper, LeBron James, and Sidney Crosby that were so hyped growing up, and you don't even remember the hype because of how good they are. And um, for Sidney Crosby to do it how he does it without a lot of press, not a lot of interviews he does, sticks to himself. He was a whiner for the beginning of his career until he started getting the calls, and then he stopped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think the NHL could have picked. I don't think they could have picked a better poster boy. I, I really don't. So happy for him. Happy to see him doing well, and happy Trevor to see Zegers. Pittsburgh up there. Yeah, he's not a good poster boy. Who? Um, Trevor Zegers. Oh yeah, no, not yet, at least. No, he's still. That's yeah. Crosby is – he is electrifying enough to get our generation of fans and quote-unquote respectful enough to get the old heads that really just want to see the game burn and don't want anything exciting to ever happen. Yeah. Um, but Carolina takes over first place in that division. I mean, they're nasty. In the East, am I wrong to say it's really like a three-team race? I don't see no, anybody you... beating Pittsburgh or the Florida teams. Or, I mean, pardon I me, Carolina the... or the Florida teams. I think the East is set. Uh, with the exception of the Bruins and Red Wings. Oh, no. no, I don't mean for the playoffs. I just mean, like, for who can come out of the East. Oh. I, yeah, I think it's Carolina, Tampa, Florida. Yeah, those are by far the best yeah. teams, right? Eh, I'll never, I'll never bet against the, Peng- the Penguins with Crosby on the team. It's because Crosby yeah, I mean, does some wild... A... Yeah, he, yeah. He, he does do some wild things in the playoffs. It'll so... be interesting to see if they make a move, too. Yeah, I mean, but that that is a pretty safe bet to say those three teams. Um, but again, with with the Penguins, I think that's like the one wild card team that you can never really bet against because of the Crosby factor. And the Rangers, man, you, you can't ever bet against a hot goalie. Shesterkin's yeah. been playing out of his mind. If he sure. if he keeps it up, the, the, you would be dumb to bet against them. Um, but yeah, the Metro, I. Still blows my mind that the Islanders and Philly are so bad. <laughs> I, I don't uh, understand it. Philly, Philly doesn't surprise me because they were they, they were good last year. They were not good last year. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, no, they were bad Philly, last year and went out and Philly, got Philly surprises me because they had the they had a horrible defense. That's why they were yeah. bad. And then they went out and they traded for Ristolainen and they got Ellis. So yeah. they, they solved their biggest problem, and they said, oh, Carter Hart was having a down year because they had no defense. I think Justin Braun was in their top pair. And then they yeah, I mean, went out and got all these guys, and now there's just, they're just still bad. And they're Ellis, getting outscored by a big – yeah. Or he was. I don't know if he's back yet. Um, and uh, speaking, speaking of Flyers, actually, I've heard Giroux maybe end up going to Colorado. Yeah. So that's yes. like one of the prime destinations for Giroux. It's a uh, – I believe it's either Colorado, Minnesota, and some other random. Jerusalem's got to have a, a no move clause, right? 
He does. He has a full no move, no move clause. He has to approve. So I think the three cities that he said were Colorado, Minnesota, and I believe St. Louis, but I might be wrong on that. Yeah. Also, it, back be... to the. Oh, god. Sorry. I was gonna say back to the Crosby goal. How fitting was it that it was against Philly? Yeah, it's his fiftieth goal against Philly. Yeah, his fiftieth goal. Crazy. Yeah, and the fact that it was assisted by Mulkin too. Yeah. No, it's just. Uh, yeah. Yes. Any for the kid. Yeah, yeah. Good for the kid. But um, yeah, I don't understand why they're that bad. The Islanders, especially. I think we picked the Islanders to win the cup. I think a couple of us did. Or yeah. at least to be in there. Yeah. Um, but everybody else, I mean, we did say at the beginning of the year, I remember we said Columbus is going to be bad, but everybody else is going to be contending, which just ended up which, not being true. Yeah. I mean, Columbus yeah, is 12 well, points ahead of Philly and New Jersey as of recording, but the Islanders could, could sneak it back into a playoff spot. Oh God. Don't know. No, they can't. No. The record that they points out a third. Yeah. The record that they would have to get to, for, to do that is just, no, they can't play that. The, the Islanders are 17 points out of a playoff spot. That would be tough. Boston and Washington have those two. Wild, wild cards, cards right now, and Boston has an yeah. eight-point lead over Detroit, and Detroit has a nine-point lead over the Islanders. Yeah, so, but I'm just looking. At, I'm looking at games in hand too. Yeah, no, yeah, even I mean, with the game in have, hand, it's yeah. If they if they won every game of their game in hand, they would be yeah. two points ahead. But I mean, it's you know they're they're not going to. They're <laughs> they're a 500 team. They're uh, talking about trading. Kyle Palmieri, Josh Bailey, uh, and other guys because they know their season's basically done. I guess we'll, we'll see. see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but the other, the other division, it, it's boring in the sense that this is already, in my opinion, decided. But Florida, Tampa, and Toronto, it's going to be a dogfight to get out of that division. And that's yeah. going to be whatever that first round series is going to be. Mark it down. I think it's going to be the best series in the playoffs. I think, I think Leafs like and Toronto is going to be wild. Mm-hmm. Or Leafs and the uh, Lightning. I was going to say those are the same teams. Yeah, <laughs> Leafs and Toronto yes. would be wild. Um, Florida, though. <laughs> they're <to> so, <laughs> yeah, they're so much better. Florida, yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy when you look because they look, you know, 35 and 10, 32 and 11, whatever. Um, Florida has one game, has one more game than Tampa, but they're <laughs> they've given up six more goals and scored fifty more. Like Florida is a much better team. They've scored. I mean, it, they're twenty three and three at home. They don't even have any fans. They're twenty three and three in front of an empty building. I mean, they no, do have fans. their building's actually rocking this year. Yeah, finally. Yeah, but, uh, wasn't Kodak Black? Didn't he like? Didn't that happen at his rank, at, at that game? Wasn't that a Florida game? It was a Florida game. Yeah, wild. I don't know but, what that uh, means. Yeah, look it up. You'll see. Um, okay. But Florida, I'm rooting for Florida as long as Jumbo's on the roster. Um, that's who I want to win because I'd love to see Jumbo get a cup. Uh, the rest yeah. of this division, though, man, Detroit is going to kick the crap out of people in a few years. Oh yeah. Once oh, yeah. Edvinson, once Edvinson comes up and starts playing like he can, once Mo Sider turns into what he's going to turn into, 
Larkin is going to be, you know, whatever. What's the goalie they drafted this year? The Russian guy, um, whatever his name is, or he yeah. might not be Russian, but that guy, they're going to be unreal in a few years. You mean the, the Canadian kid from Quebec? Costco. Costco? No, it's Cosa. Cosa, yeah. Cosa, he's, he's not Russian? Quebec. No, he's Canadian. Oh, that sounds Russian. He's French-Canadian. Uh, oh, no, they were. it's because they were going to draft that Swedish kid, and then they didn't. They were going to draft yeah. the Swede. Remember that he ended up sliding to the end of the first round. Oh, Wallstrand. Wallstrand. Yeah, just for Wallstrand. Led me a couple kit, a couple titles in Chell. So you know, good for that <laughs> kid. Who got him? Who got him now? Wallstead, Nashville, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. That's who it was. Oh man, because uh, Nashville got um, Askarov. Yeah, right. uh, the the Russian from the World Juniors who yeah. lost his stick every three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the the bottom of that division, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Montreal, obviously tough. Uh, Montreal looks like they're on kind of a path. It, it, yep. it seems like, you know, they traded to Foley. They're getting some return. I don't know what Buffalo's doing. And if there's a team, I don't think there's a team I want to be less than the Senators. They have young pieces, but it's just looking like it's not going to materialize. It, it looks a little bit like Buffalo did 10 years or eight years ago. I was, gonna say, I, don't know. I was gonna say it reminds think, me a lot of what Edmonton did a couple of years ago, get a bunch of kids and just throw them to the wolves and they get eaten. But I think also the problem in Ottawa is that ownership never wants to pay for actual decent players. They're always just trying to scratch the cap floor and um, just building off prospects. So I feel like Ottawa is gonna be kind of in the same boat as what Toronto was for the last well, from like 2004 to like 2013, Toronto Maple Leafs, the year, the era where they just didn't make the playoffs and they were just like mediocre forever. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but Ottawa doesn't have like an absurdly high amount of cap space. Like Anaheim has more. There's a bunch of teams, Anaheim, Nashville, a bunch of teams have more than that. Right, right. Buffalo, look, Detroit, Columbus—they right. all have the, more. But if you look at the players like, they have, if you go like um, mm-hmm. look at look at their salaries, most of the mm-hmm. guys they have they like trade for guys who are contracts are like paid out in the beginning. They're all like front loaded contracts, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just cap it. Yeah, I, that's just—it's not an argument I think you can make. I don't—I don't think it is. But they've drafted well. They've drafted well. Sanderson, when he comes up, is going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think also, the, I think also the biggest thing with Ottawa too is they just got not not unlucky, but the Matt Murray thing just really didn't work out. But now it is. Yeah, he's playing great now, but it's but a I mean, little you, too late. You look at these teams that are kind of in the same spot, like Ottawa, New Jersey, the Rangers to an extent. With Lafreniere and Kako, the the Ducks, and I mean maybe two years ago the Avalanche, who have these young guys that are all kind of trying to come up together. Of those four teams, if you were offered the GM of every team, you're taking the Senators last for sure, like no question. Yeah. They've they've hit on their draft picks and they still don't have a good prospect pool. I don't understand what it is. But I don't, um, I don't know I about say that. I think prospect pool they do, but. I think I would take New Jersey last. I'm very disappointed in them this year. 
you got Heisher, you got you got Hughes, you got the other Hughes coming. Yeah, you got, you got some pieces there. You do have good pieces there, and I do think and they found good- something. But I don't know. There's just something about New Jersey this year that really I thought they'd be a lot better than what they were. I thought they'd push maybe for a player's playoff spot. I thought they would be where Detroit is right now. Oh, I thought they would too. But I think that's so, that's another point. Like I'm taking Jersey after them. Like the Sabers are. I think the Sabres and the Canadians are in a similar situation. You just blow it up. Yeah. Trade everybody. That's the well, situation you're in if you're one of those two teams. The Sabres already that's what the ha- That's what the Habs are in the process of doing right now. Yeah. And it's what the Sabres did last year. Well, and, and they, they out, like, the Sabres have to have a whole bunch of picks this year. They have to. And, yeah. And the Habs came out. They had a press conference about it. They said they actually admitted they're rebuilding. So this is the first rebuild in franchise history in the Habs. But as requested, we're not going to talk much about the Habs today. Mm-hmm. With Buffalo, yeah. I don't know who else you trade now. You like what? Yeah. You're, you're going to trade Colin Miller. You're going to trade Robert Hag. But what are you really going to get for those guys? Yeah. Well, no, it's the the worst place to be is mediocrity. If you're going to yeah. be bad, yeah. you need to be bad. So which um, Montreal is embracing. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what we got for the East. Let's go over to the West. Wait, but, before um, you do that, yep. we're going to kick it over to Paul's interview. Mm-hmm. So Paul, who'd you interview? I interviewed Russ Cohen, very one of the most intelligent hockey minds that there is. Um, I'm not blowing smoke up his ass, I promise. Um, he is on Hockey Buzz. You can find him everywhere. He tells you in the interview where you can find him. He is in a lot of places, though. Busy man. Perfect. Well, we'll send over to Russ Cohen right now. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to remind all of our listeners to check out fatdave.ca to buy some shirt merch of our merchandise. Because when you buy our merchandise, it helps us sponsor these interviews. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy the interview. There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another interview from Red Light Hockey Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, uh, Mr. Russ Cohen. You can find him on Hockey Buzz, uh, Locked on Flyers. Uh, a lot of different places. Where else can we find you? Sportsology.com is my website. Uh, SiriusXM every Tuesday. Uh, we could also go to SoundCloud slash Russ Cohen or or Hockey Streams, and that's where I have off the post. So you know, a bunch of different spots. EP Ringside, you know, Elite Prospects. Yes, you can. He, very busy man. Very busy. Um, so first question, how did your passion for hockey really start? How did that whole, how did it get started? Was it a family thing or? No, it wasn't really a family thing. I have an older brother and, and he wasn't necessarily the biggest hockey fan. It really started, um, in 1972, the Rangers made it to the Stanley cup with the Bruins. So I started really watching then. I, I was more of a baseball we were a basketball family. So baseball, I started very early basketball after that football right around the time in, in between there. And, you know, in New York, there were a lot of good teams back then. A lot of teams were winning championships. It was exciting. So it really did get me into sports. And so hockey was the last one. Um, when you got into hockey, how soon after did you get start card collecting? I know you're a big card guy. Yeah, I am. Uh, I was collecting all along. I mean, baseball first, a little bit of football, hockey after that. But, you know, the interesting thing was back in those days, it was always easy. Like for, if my mom was going to buy us cards to kind of keep us quiet and keep us interested, 
um, it was easier to find baseball cards than any of the other sports. They weren't nearly as well distributed. So I obviously my baseball collection was way bigger than the other sports, but then I would also start looking for the other sports. You, um, after that, you got into, oh, during that time, you got, you were writing the uh, stories on the back of cards, correct? That was much later, actually. Um, okay. That was, um, I, we first did it, myself and Doug Cataldo, who also founded uh, Sportsology with me, we did um, a TNA set back when Pacific was still around, if you remember Pacific Trading Cards. Yep. And so we, um, he did most of the heavy lifting. He let me pick out some choice ones. So I picked out guys like Roddy Piper, guys that I knew. He was doing a lot of the, uh, the lesser knowns that I didn't really know because I was still more of a WWE guy. And yeah. so that was, that was the first time. And then uh, later on, did some work for uh, In the Game and Leaf and those and those brands uh, when Leaf took over In the Game. So then I started doing a lot of that. So, yeah, I've done a fair amount over the years. And it's fun because, again, I always want there to be something decent to read uh, on the back of a card. If it's one sentence or two sentences, like sometimes you see nowadays, I, it kind of makes me a little sad. So I'm always looking for a little bit more because that's what I grew up with. I'm the same way. I just recently got a new product MVP and on the back, it was just the stats and everything. I was, I was like, well, could have been a lot more fun. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, how it is now, but um, so do you remember any cards that you thought, holy, I get to write a, a little short bio for this player, or I get to tell a little story on this player. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Sometimes when you do write cards though, they don't want necessarily like opinion or stories. So you have yeah. to kind of just stick to the facts. Um, I did, um, Roddy Piper was the first big one and, and I did actually pull that card when they gave us a free box. So that was nice. So I, I still have that card and, and means a lot to me. Uh, most recently I did Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm a big jet fan. That was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. And Pierre-Luc Dubois was a, uh, a player that I really liked coming out of juniors. I, I wrote his card. So I, and I've written a bunch now. So it's like, there's a lot of different players that I really like that I've been able to, you know, write cardbacks for. Sometimes these sets have throwback sets. So I really do enjoy writing about the older players that I kind of grew up with. That's, that's a lot of fun for me too. Who were some of your favorite players growing up? So for baseball, I was a big Tom Seaver fan. That's, that's, that's what got me into sports in general. So I would say by the age of five, you know, I was going to games, uh, family was big into it. By the time I was six, they won the world series. Uh, I pitched in little league. So I sort of connected with, with Seaver first, uh, some New York Knicks, big Earl Monroe fan, certainly like Walt Frazier and Willis Reed and that whole batch. Um, great guys. They won a couple championships, probably will never win another one ever again. Uh, big Dr. J fan. Uh, that That's one of my childhood heroes too. And, you know, sports, more sports like Joe Namath was my favorite football player for, you know, growing up. And then it would morph into other guys. Like recently I got like a Freeman McNeil signed helmet. He, uh, he played with the eighties team, like the sack exchange. And, you know, they had some decent teams then. So that was a guy where I was sort of like in my twenties and I was really, you know, a big fan. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I really do have a passion for sports and sports collecting and, 
and I do uh, those paths cross because I get to, you know, write collectible articles for DTS and then, you know, get to cover sports too. So for me, it's like it goes full circle and I really enjoy it. Did you know right away when you started becoming a sports fan that this is what I, I wanted to write about sports or were your dreams to be a player as well? Well, I mean, everybody dreams to be a player and I wasn't good enough. I mean, I, I was a decent basketball player and a pretty good baseball player. And, you know, by the time I was in high school, my, my school was so competitive that I couldn't make those teams. Uh, we had guys like Ron Heller played um, for the Eagles and the Miami Dolphins. He was in our, he was uh, just a year younger than me. Paul Langford a year, a couple of years older than me, played in the uh, Super Bowl, started in the Super Bowl for the Dolphins. Uh, so there, there was a guy, Jim Graziano. He actually played in the NBA and the ABA. So there were a lot of athletes that, that came out of my school. And so I, I knew at that point it was going to be too much. Uh, I did want to get into sports. I actually wanted to be like a broadcaster. I probably wanted to do play-by-play or something like that. I think color now would be better for me now that I've been at this for a while. But I didn't do it because my dad said, you know, and this was, you know, back when I was probably 10, 12 years old. He goes, you know, those jobs, a lot of those jobs are going to ex-athletes. It may be very hard to, to kind of get in that field. So he kind of swayed me from it. And, and I took a turn from it. I was in the hotel business for a while. I went to school for that, got a degree in that. Um, and then when I met up with Doug Cataldo, a friend of mine, um, he's the one who got me to, to start writing for a website. The only thing I was really writing in life were um, policies and procedures and things like that for business. But I did take creative writing in school. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then, you know, I really liked it. And so then I started, you know, covering sports back in like 2000. So by 2001, I was already heavy into like the NHL draft and and things like that. So I did fall back on on that. I'm, I'm at 10 books now, which I probably never thought would even happen. I don't even know how that happened, really, to be fair. And yeah, I just, you know, I'm a sports junkie and my wife knows it. So it's OK. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really wanted to interview because you you're not just a hockey guy. You're not just a baseball guy. You're all around sports you know oh god you're probably one of the most intelligent sports people i've ever seen i appreciate that i it, you know that probably comes from watching like why world of sports guys like jim mckay there were always guys like that that seemingly could cover anything you know al michaels is still around he's covered everything and so i just i knew i couldn't do everything and certainly i really only tried to master or get really good with baseball and hockey because they work in off opposite seasons. I still write football and some other things. And I just did a basketball book, which was great. I, but I mainly did, I didn't do too many players of today. I, I mainly fell back on some of the players I grew up with because we were doing like the top, it's called the top 75 players of all time. People can get it on Amazon. I'll do a little commercial, but the idea was I, I was like the elder guy on that because I'd seen a lot of the other guys in that list play, or at least knew a lot about them from my dad and, and saw a lot of video. So that's where I sort of worked my way in there. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, I was just watching the Olympics today. I mean, I just, I do love all sports. I like, still like playing. I play softball religiously and yeah, it's just one of those things where it, it you can get a nice break from life. It gives you something to, to sort of follow uh, that's the fun about baseball for me. It's like, you know, when it, when baseball's on, you can follow it every day, follow it in the paper, you know, not so much in the paper now, it's online, but, you know, you can follow stats every day. There's things you could learn every day about it. Games are always different. Things happening, like, 
like for baseball, things happen in baseball that all the time that you've never seen before, even though you've been watching, you know, your whole life, same with me. And so I, I enjoy that aspect. Um, I, I probably enjoy covering hockey the best because they're, they're the most down to earth guys, no offense to the baseball guys, but they're a little bit uh, richer and a little bit, uh, a little more spoiled. I like the hockey work ethic guys. So I, I gravitate a little bit towards them, a little more towards them, but you know, enjoy it all. You, um, you mentioned uh, the NHL draft. You uh, do a lot of work writing about prospects and everything. You're, again, just your mind for prospects is amazing. It's, you're one of my favorite people to read about uh, their reports and everything. Hear thoughts on prospects. Who are some guys that you were really watching and thought would become somebody big, but didn't? But didn't. Okay. So I guess, you know, the first one uh, was probably Dan Blackburn for the Rangers and I think he was on a pretty good trajectory, but the problem was he um, he had a muscle issue here, like in his chest. And when that happened, he couldn't like use his glove anymore. So he actually had to play with two blockers. And you never know when something, yeah, he played with two blockers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it didn't last long, but he did it. He did it for a season in over in Quebec, I think it was. I think he played for like the Salmon Kings. And so, that, you know, certainly things like that could happen and you're wrong and, and it doesn't work out. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, there's a goalie now, Zach Fucali. He made it to the NHL, but I thought he would be like a number one kind of guy. Didn't work out. Took him a long time to get to the NHL. Now he's sort of like, you know, a, a really solid backup, a good AHL player. But, you know, that's a guy. There's guys every year like, you know people are nice and, and it's nice when they give me credit, but there's plenty that I get wrong. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, it's fun to hear that perspective, not to be mean or anything. It's fun. It's fun to hear like what you, what personally you're looking for and what you, who you think is going to be good and everything. Yeah. And, and everybody has different criteria. I, I learned a lot from Shane Malloy, who I did hockey prospect radio with for 15 years and we still do the draft together on Sirius and we talk all the time, right? So we talk, when we have phone calls, we don't have like normal phone calls. We're talking about prospects and, and hockey players and stuff. And then once in a while about our families, but um, you know, so he really got me into it. And, and that was at um, that old one draft in Florida. You know, we did a show. I always had sort of like this interest in prospects, um, but, but both Shane and I went up to somebody who was in the media at that time, somebody in, I think it was in the newspaper business. And they were like, Hey, you know, what are you doing covering the draft? And we're like, hey, we're prospect guys. We really enjoy this aspect. And, and and the guy was basically like, why? Nobody cares. Like he did. That's exactly what he said to us. And we're like, we're like brand new in it. Yeah. And we were just like, well, we care. And we're just going to keep doing it. And, you know, it took a while. People really didn't care that much, or at least the average hockey fan didn't care that much about prospects for at least the first five years that we were doing it. And that, that is the honest truth because. You know, they were just immersed in the NHL. They would hear about these guys once in a while. Maybe you picked up the hockey news and you caught a little column from Ken Campbell or somebody. But beyond that, you know, in the States, you didn't get a ton of information about the guys. There's a one player specifically I was going to ask you about. Um, I know him. His name is Zach Delpy. Mm -hmm. You were very high on him, right? Yeah, yeah. Was there anything about him and his style that just stood out to you? I think it was just work ethic. I think he was a guy that I felt like maybe wasn't um, super talented. Like 
had like a tremendous skill level. So sometimes it's the work ethic and the drive and things like that, that really catch my eye. So I think that's what it was about him. He, uh, he's, he's such a nice guy too, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. he, uh, yeah, he's a close personal friend or family friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've heard you talk about him on hockey buzz a couple of times. So I wanted to ask that question specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, was there anybody that flew under the radar that you were like, you guys should really keep track of him and turned out that you were right? Yeah, there's there's a few that I'm, I'm proud of. Um, Sam Gerard was one of the early ones where, you know, he's a smallish defenseman. And I took a lot of heat when I said that I really, you know, felt like he was the first round talent and would make the NHL and be really good in the NHL. And everybody was not, you know, I don't want to say everybody, but, you know, a fair amount of good prospect people were like a little iffy on him. And I was just, you know, I, there was something I liked about him, the way he retrieved the puck, the way he skated. I, nobody really could touch him. So I was like, you know, I'm fine with this guy. And I think he's going to be something. Uh, Alex DeBrinkett, uh, that was another guy, another smaller player who we had someone tell us at the draft or tell me, uh, not only was DeBrinkett not a good player, like I was saying, but he's never going to make it to the NHL. And I'm like, well, you're wrong. He's going to be a really good player because this guy's dominated since high school. He's dominated every level he's at. He's got it like a hundred points, every level he's at. And I said, you were going to be completely wrong. That's what I told the guy. And so Alex, the kit made me look good. You know, there's, there's some players every once in a while that, that do that. Uh, I was high on Joel Farabee for the flyers. Not that he's a great find. He was with the NTDP, but still sometimes in a big program, you know, guys could get overlooked. Uh, I interview prospects all the time and, and I don't always interview the, the top 20. A lot of times I go much deeper because, A, you never know when that guy is going to hit big. But also, I do feel like all of them should have their story told and, and be able, you know, they're all great players. They're all the best players in their towns and in their high schools and in their, you know, junior teams. And then all of a sudden, every talent compresses. And that's what, you know, happens in all sports. So, but they are great to be able to get to a certain point. And I, I respect that greatly. You uh, you mentioned the Flyers. You do uh, Locked On Flyers. How did that come about? Uh, Rachel Donner contacted me, actually, and, and said that she was doing the show and somebody she was doing it with a year ago had left. And, you know, I'm in this area now. I did cover a lot of Ranger stuff early on, but the commute was a bit much for me. So I, I pared back on that and, and go to a certain amount of games a year and make sure I'm in New York and want to still cover hockey I just I think you know New York's a big city I'm from Long Island so I always want to be around it um but but she asked me she and and I said you know I've covered this team long enough now where yeah I feel like I have a good base and let's do it and and it's fun and so yeah we do a prospect segment every week on that and I feel like that's good because I feel like even the franchise has sort of not pushed their own prospects lately and you know it used to be one of those things where they would play them on the board or or talk about them and and there's not that much talk about them. And so, like, I always feel like, hey, if there's a void for something like that, I, I always want to, you know, sort of be that voice. Yeah, it, it seems odd that with the Flyers, how they're using their younger players lately. Yeah, sometimes they do it right. Sometimes they do it wrong. I think their player development hasn't hasn't been great. Uh, I, they're trying to improve that now. So I give them credit for that. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's not an exact science. and like I always tell people like, look, I'm not a scout. Scouts go to guy, see guys. I talk to scouts all the time. They, they see guys sometimes 20, 30 times in a season. I can't do that. I'm privately funded. You know, it's out of my pocket. 
maybe somebody sponsoring me. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not backed by a team. So I go and see a certain amount of tournaments, a certain amount of guys. I watch a lot of video and, and that's sort of how I do it. But I also talk to guys and a lot of prospect uh, folks in this era don't necessarily talk to the players. And I feel like you should, because if nothing else, once in a while you come across a player that you realize this guy is so much smarter than a lot of other players. And he could tell you about a lot of other players to look for and who's good and who's hard to play against. And if you really start listening to some of that stuff, you could learn a lot. And so I learn a lot all the time. Is a, you mentioned how smart they are. Isn't hockey intelligence something you really try to look for and dig for when talking to the prospects? Yeah. I mean, you have to be of a certain intelligence to play hockey. It's, it's, it's not an easy sport. I know that, you know, the thought is probably, Hey, you could just sort of like have it ingrained in you or whatever, but there's so much video work and everything done now that there's, there's a lot that goes into like the hockey IQ and the training for that. And so that is something that I value a lot because if somebody does have all the talent in the world, but maybe doesn't think the game quickly, if you're out there thinking on the ice, it's hard to play the game. If you're out there and you're not thinking on the ice and you're just doing what you're good at, then it's easy to play the game. Like when you're that good, and, you know, I play in media games and I stink. Right. So <laughs> I know the difference, but, but, but that's one of the things where, you know, you can really tell a difference sometimes with a player. In uh in those media games is Eck the goalie. He was the goalie. Um, <laughs> in the last one I played and that was because he, um, yeah, the hockey buzz crew, got that game going and he was the goalie and he's pretty good. He actually played in, um, in the outdoor game, the media game for the stadium series here a couple of years ago. I didn't play in that because they had some real ringers and, but he and Jason Martinez, who I do a fair amount of stuff with, they were both the two goalies. And so it was fun. I was down on like the bench level watching and, and we had a good time. That was at Lincoln financial field. So that's a cool thing. Um. Hockey, how did Hockey Buzz come about? How did you, did, were you contacted by Eck or were you contacted? Yeah, well, by I sat else? next to him for years, okay. you know, at Flyers games. We would just talk and converse. And, you know, he said he was starting a video show. And I said, yeah, I, you know, I have interest in it. And I thought that would be fun. And yeah, we've been doing it a long time now. And we're not the biggest show in the world, but I feel like we, we have good information. We got good guests at times or have good panelists. That's mainly that we, what we look for now. And I feel like a lot of times we're ahead of the curve, even with some of the big shows, even in Canada. And so, you know, we sort of do take pride when we say some things that happen and get, get it right. Even if we don't get credit in, in the press or on Twitter, that's okay. But people who listen know. And, and so I'm appreciative of that. You guys have a very uh, loyal fan base on Hockey Buzz. I, I personally, every day I, I watch, even if I'm not in the chat that. room. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're uh, a chat room guy. Yeah, I, uh, sometimes here and there. But um, it's, you guys are, like I said, some of the most intelligent guys. Uh, the crew that you guys have with you, Eck, Kevin Allen. Yeah, Kevin uh, Allen, like, when, when I was really at the, you know, the height of my fandom, I'm out of college and reading a lot of, of hockey stuff and, and getting it a little more regularly uh, because I went to, you know, on, on Long Island, it was easy to get, right? I mean, I actually grew up on the island, right? And the Islanders moved in in 73, but I'm not an Islander fan because I was already a Ranger fan. 
So I took a beating all through high school when the Islanders were going through their dynasty years and people signed in my yearbook. Hey, good luck to the Rangers. You know, we already won our cups. Uh, you know, and it's like, I used to take a beating with that. So, you know, that was fun though. And, but Kevin Allen was somebody, you know, when USA Today, I remember when it first started and I, so I would read him religiously and the fact that we're friends now, we do a show together. It's just like, I don't even know what to say about it because I don't feel like I'm worthy compared to someone like Kevin Allen. I think he's the, uh, the best hockey writer in, in the United States. I'm not going to say Canada too, because there's some really great Canadian writers too. He did give you a pretty interesting nickname as the Green Grim Reaper. Yeah, <laughs> that's come about like because of Facebook. Yeah. Because, and, and here's really why it happened. I don't write rest in peace for everybody in the world that dies. I don't write rest in peace for just anybody. It has to sort of mean something to me. Like if it's like an actor I liked or a sports figure I liked, then I'll just write something about him and write rest in peace. And then so... You know, then a friend named Stephen LaRoche, um, he used to work for In the Game. He he started this Russ and Peace thing. He he started calling it that. And then Kevin took it to the next level because Kevin's got a big fan base. And, you know, and so that's what it is. I, I found it so funny when he says it. It's just the the back and forth between you and Mike and him. It's it's yeah. really funny. It's very entertaining. Yeah, we enjoy it, too. I, and he has a good time, too. I mean, and that's the good that's the best kind of show you can have is if it's just natural and, and you, you know, you're just working on the fly like that and you got, and you enjoy each other, then it's, that's the most fun. And it seems like it comes across as you guys having fun too. It really yeah, does. That's good. That's good. Um, so you said you looked up to Kevin Allen and mm-hmm. uh, now you're on the show with him. Was when you heard that he was, was he at hockey buzz before you or after you? Uh, after. So when you heard that he was coming on, were you like surprised? Were you excited? How, how was that? I wasn't surprised because he's known Eck for a long time and we would always see each other at different events, all-star games, you know, Stanley Cups, things like that. I, so I wasn't surprised at all. Um, how did you feel about it? Were you excited or? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I learned things from Kevin Allen every day. So, <laughs> and, and he appreciates my, you know, prospect knowledge. So he'll, pick my brain and he'll use me in some of his articles, which I think is just an honor, you know, I don't know how else to put it. And so I, yeah, I just, I, I love all of it. That is, that is very cool. That's a, uh, that that's really awesome. Um, going back to your prospects was, is there anybody in this upcoming draft that you feel isn't getting the light that they should? Yeah. Um, I've got an article coming up on Cutter Gautier plays for the NTDP plays left wing and center. This kid's a lot better than I think people think. I I think he's a surefire top 15. I have a good story to tell on him. I'm not going to tell it all on here, but I just, but I enjoy the way he plays. I think he's gotten better uh, in the last year, especially. He's made a jump. I think he's made a jump in his skating. I, uh, I have never had a bad viewing of him, and he's probably one of the guys I've seen more often. I've been to, I think, you know, USA Hockey Arena like three times this year for different things camps and, and you know and then if they're playing other games I walk into those games too and and so I, I I've gotten to see him a lot and I think he should be talked about more maybe he will be when the draft gets done but you know everybody talks about Logan Cooley and for good reasons I think the kid's tremendous and he's a top five pick maybe even a top three pick and so you know I think Cutter Gauthier deserves a little more 
how difficult is it? You said you don't go to all the prospects, all the games and everything like that. How difficult is it for you personally to scout uh, talent who are playing overseas? Is it a lot more difficult? Is it because it's all video or is it a little it's, bit easier? It's definitely more difficult. If um, luckily because of uh, elite prospects, I get to look at like uh, a lot more videos than I would have access to if I was just a guy off the street. And so sometimes you have to, you know, join things like hockey TV and different things like that. But I get, you know, I, I'm lucky. I get to see like shift by shift stuff. I get to see certain games, certain goals, certain assists. So, so that helps. But before for 15 years, I didn't get any of that. And before NHL network would even show the world juniors, I had to try and keep up with all that and talk about it on the show. And I would get to see about a quarter of what shame we get to see in Canada, right? Cause Canada showed everything. So you know, I think I learned how to do it the hard way, which maybe made it easier for now, uh, knowing, you know, what's for at least what I'm going to look for. And so I think that's helped me because, yeah, and, you know, 20 years ago it was really hard. Even 10 years ago, it was hard, but it was getting better. And now it's really easy. You uh, you mentioned the World Juniors and earlier you mentioned the Olympics. Um, is there a country that you see coming up and really becoming a powerhouse of a country for hockey at least i think slovakia has a chance to um to really come out of this looking good uh slikovsky is, is going to be a top 10 pick maybe even a top five pick i think i have him ranked sixth maybe fifth or sixth i can't remember right this minute and so i think he's going to really help the program along simone nemich is a Another highly regarded defenseman in this draft. I think he's a top 10 guy, maybe top 12. So that's another guy that could really help the program. So I do feel like when you get really great prospects like that, that had a chance to also play in the Olympics, that could start to really move your program along. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun watching the young kids, especially in the Olympics. Like, yeah. I know Canada didn't go that way. U.S., kind of did but these were like mishmash teams they weren't yeah they weren't the you know miracle and ice teams where it's all college kids and they weren't the nhl teams where they're all great players it was somewhere in between and so even the prospects you know it's their first go at it they're playing with some guys that are not in the nhl now and they're decent players but were they really going to elevate some of their games probably not and so you know i think the u.s and canada and canada i think the u.s did a better job roster wise than canada but in the end you know they weren't going to be great teams and you know russia had a scare today but i, I kind of figured russia would win this tournament because the khl is a pro league and a lot of these guys when they're done with the nhl they go back and play in the khl and so they've got more what we would call nhl talent than any other team in this tournament is there any prospect that really stuck out to you in this tournament or was there a couple guys perhaps well flakovsky was is one for sure uh i'll tell you who's doing really well and and this is a guy who i saw in rookie camp a couple of years ago for the Flyers, uh, Ivan Fedotov. He's a six foot seven goalie for Russia. He's done really well. And for Locked On, they had an Olympic show and they had me on. And I talked about him. And I also talked about him on the Flyers show at one point during the year and, and said that he was making some real good gains this year there. And, and I saw that, you know, I, the good thing is I could see the difference in him now compared to what I, would, what I saw in rookie camp, where he was really raw when he came in and he was a little better on the way out. And now, you know, a year and a half later, he looks really good. And now he's, you know, maybe going to lead Russia to a medal. So 
that could lead him to getting signed by the Flyers at some point and, and coming to North America and seeing what he's got. And so I, you know, I like being able to see the progression of players like that. Um, is, is it okay if I ask you a couple names and you give me a projection yeah. of where you think they yeah. could be? They're current NHL prospects. Uh, Isaac Radcliffe from the Flyers. Where do you see him projection as? I think he's a, uh, a bottom six guy. I think most likely a fourth line guy because he really, uh, for as long as teams feel like they want to play a fourth line, not everybody does anymore, but he, you know, he can play the physical game. He gets in front of the net. His skating's improved enough now where he could play at the NHL level. Uh, he's got a little more confidence than I feel like he did at the beginning of the year because he didn't start the year off great. And he's getting in front of the net. He's getting some power play time now. So, yeah, I think he um, he projects pretty well. Uh, what about uh, from the Arizona Coyotes, Dylan Gunthry? Is it, did I pronounce it correctly? Dylan Gunthry. Got, um, he's the winger. Oh, sorry. I'm blanking on his name now. Let's see. Uh, uh, is it, or is it Gunther? Oh, Dylan Gunther. No, is it Gunther? You're talking about... Yeah, the the okay. left played for the Oil Kings. Yes, I yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry Dylan about Gunther. that. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, he he's got a great shot, a great work ethic. I feel like he um, is pretty physical. His speed's good. He, I, I think, I want to say Dylan Gunther will probably be in the NHL in like two more years. I think you could see him come over and turn pro soon, and and then, but again with the Coyotes. They haven't great, had great player development either, but I don't think he needs a lot of development. He's got a pro shot and a pro mentality. Um, what about a guy like Ryan Merkley? Yeah, Merkley's interesting because, and and I do, I have talked to um, people in the Sharks organization about him. I've kept tabs on him. And so with all the offensive talent he has and the skating ability, he really had to learn how to um, play better defense and not be such a riverboat gambler. And, you know, play not a turnover free game, but a, you know, a game with fewer turnovers and also off the ice, he, you know, he had some issues. So I feel like he had to sort of rein in his personality a little bit. I think that's happening. I don't think he's a star offensive defenseman in the NHL, but I think he could be like a second power play guy and an effective offensive defenseman. So I think the Sharks have done a good job with them. And it was good that he went to that organization because some organizations, you know, they, they, they work with players differently, and I think they've done the right thing with them. Now, our um, our other host, Liam, he's a big Habs fan. What do you think about the Montreal prospect pool right now? It's okay. I mean, we could still count Caulfield in that, and and of course, even when he got when he got sent down this year, people were like, "Well, is 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 that going to be it for Caulfield? Is he really not that good?" I'm like, "No, he's listen. You know, the Canadians were a tire fire." Uh, he just needed to sort of reel it back in. He was hitting the wall a little bit. You see now with, with St. Louis there who could really help him. I don't know if he's going to help the team, but he's going to help him. Uh, you can see he's scoring goals again. He's confident again. His speed is so much better than it was a year ago. Uh, I still like Ryan Paling. I think Ryan Paling, uh, if he's passed the concussion problems, can be something. So I still think there's there's something there. I think they're, you know, they're okay. I think uh, – I think with Jeff Gordon there, and they just brought in uh, Bob Roth, who used to be with the Rangers, a really good Russian scout. I feel like they could uh, beef that up. I also feel like they brought in Bob Roth so they could try and trade for uh, uh, Kratzoff with the Rangers. Uh, don't be shocked that the Habs are all over that. 
So, and, and maybe that's going to be um, in part of, in part in the trade. So that's something where I, you know, I, I think they're going to improve in and, and Russians have had really good luck over there. And that's, you know, I think Kratzov could be involved in the uh, Ben Sherat trade. Do, um, if they get, do you, I said earlier this year that may have been the off season. I can't remember, but I said that I think Cole Caulfield is going to be a 40 goal scorer in the NHL. Would you agree with that? Or would you disagree? I think 30 for sure. I have to see how much physically stronger he can get. He's, he's stronger than he was two years ago and he's faster than he was two years ago. A lot faster. Uh, if he, if his confidence is right, it can happen. I do think he'll be on a similar trajectory as to but I don't know if he'll hit as high as to because the break, has a few other tools that Caulfield doesn't really have. Caulfield could play, make a little bit, but not like the break it. So he doesn't do as many give and goes. Um, but I think he can hit 30, 40 is tough. 40 is a really tough mark in this league. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is for sure. So I just, now, now you have brewing stuff behind you, but you have a Canadian <laughs> accent. So why don't you like I, a Canadian team? I am Canadian. Um, I, uh, I fell in love with the Bruins with uh, Glenn Murray. Oh, okay. He was he was my guy growing up. I was a Leafs fan, but then I saw Glenn Murray play and hit everything that stood still. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Murray was a good goal scorer, really a good player for a while. I can see that. Yeah, he. Uh, I I remember one memory sticks out watching the Bruins play with my uh, grandfather, and I think Murray had like two penalties and got two penalties in the first, two penalties in the second, and another one in the third or something like that. And, I was I was just in love right then. I was like, okay, this is my guy. Okay, no, I get it. I was just <laughs> curious because you had the accent, so. Yeah, unfortunately, I do live close to Toronto, though. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not as fun. Just like you uh, being a Rangers fan growing up in Long Island, right? Right. It's the same sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, except you got messages in your book. I got a wrench thrown at me once. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it happens. It's Canada. And it's yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, but at least everybody loves hockey in Canada. So that's good. Yes, it is a uh, it doesn't it, you can talk to anybody about hockey here. But yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's all the questions I had. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh is there Anytime. anything you would like to plug or yeah? So um people can go to Amazon.com, they can go to my website, sportsology.com. I have a lot of different books, hockey, baseball, now basketball. Uh elite prospects look out for um i just interviewed shane wright uh you may have heard of him so i'm kidding with that just a little bit <laughs> yeah and so that's going to come out on monday on epringside.com so people can go and sign up for that if they want get a free you know free uh trial subscription and, and read that uh he said a lot of good things in there i think i think i got a lot of good stuff out of shane wright and and i i really respect him as a player so shane wright's coming out before you know it brad lambert article will come out for that um, full press coverage is another site that I write about for hockey prospects. I usually put out the organizational list for them and sometimes some tournament stuff and some draft stuff. So my most recent draft list is on there, uh, version 1.5, uh, 2.0 will come out on sportsology at some point soon. And yeah, just look on Twitter at sportsology, Instagram at sportsology. Well, as I said, thank you very much for coming on. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime, Paul. Um, that is uh, all we have for Mr. Russ Cohen. Uh, we will talk to you guys later. Have a good night. Okay, how do I end this again? It should there. be. There we go.
All right, folks, we're back from the interview. I hope you all enjoyed that with Paul. Um, and thanks again for the coming on to talk to Paul. Um, and Paul. Thanks for sitting down, right? It was a lot of fun. Um, let's get into the Central now. As uh, this is interesting division. I mean, Colorado's head and shoulders the best team in the West, in my opinion, and definitely in this division. But you have it's Colorado and then, the NHL. Yeah, you have Colorado, then St. Louis, Minnesota, Nashville, Dallas, I think is a class. Winnipeg is kind of on its own. And then you have Chicago, who's all right. And then all the way at the bottom of Arizona. By the way, my former employer, did you see the Barracuda eviscerate the Coyotes? <laughs> it was unbelievable. The Coyotes posted that picture of the um of their new stadium and the Barracuda said, Hey, it looks like our new place and the Barracuda are building like a 4,000 seat arena. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was uh, good to see. Good to see. I, I mean, I've talked about on this podcast before. I think the Coyotes work in Arizona. I seem to be the only one. Um, they've had bad management and they've had a couple big mistakes, but they average about the same, same uh, attendance as the Florida Panthers until this year. So, you know, it's, it really is how you paint it. I think hockey belongs in the desert. And I think just strategically you need a team there. I mean, I guess having Vegas, anyways, let's talk about Colorado. We don't need to spend time talking about the worst team in the NHL and then Montreal. Are, is that a factual statement? Are they the second, second worst? Yes. Whatever. Um, uh, no, not anymore. Cause Montreal won the last two games. Now Montreal's ahead. They are not. No, they're still behind. Are they? I thought Montreal yeah, had more yeah. overtime losses. 27, so it's 28 points for Arizona, 27 for Montreal, and Arizona has a game in hand. Sick. So it is the two dumpster fires of the NHL. <laughs> the two dumpster fires, the failing for shame. But yeah. um, uh, none of these teams are real to me except for Colorado. Yeah. My, my biggest surprise out of the Central, honestly, though, was Winnipeg. How bad they I had a little... Yeah, I had a lot yeah. of expectations for them. Mm-hmm. I, I like, Especially, like Paul, Paul Maurice vet move, like well, not vet move, but like pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't coach this team anymore. They're not good. I quit. It's it's like he but knew he was gonna get reason, fired. My voice. What do you say? His voice wasn't taking the room or something. What was his reason? I remember that that quote was funny. My voice is no longer being heard in the room. Yeah. Good quote. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that is surprising. I don't think Nashville and Dallas are for real. I, I just don't. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Do you, do you correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think it's possible that we have two wild cords out of the Pacific this, this year? Yeah, people, people have been shooting all over the Pacific the whole year, and I've been trying to tell you it's a good division. Like, there's there, – first of all, Vegas is going to get as good as Colorado, in my opinion. But yeah. – Colorado is in the only team in that division in the West that I think is good. And pardon me, in the Central that I think is good. I don't think uh, you're, if you get, I don't think you're afraid of St. Louis or Minnesota. I, I don't know. St. Louis has the experience; they've won a cup before. I mean, let's yeah. let, let's go right through it. So, if you're if you're in the Central, you're Colorado, right? I think you're the best team in hockey. Right. Okay. Me. St. Louis and Minnesota, you take those two, right? Vegas and Edmonton right now are the two, three in the, in the Pacific. 
I mean, I'd much, much rather face either of those central teams than Vegas or Edmonton. Or Calgary. Or Calgary, yeah. Any one of those, I'd rather face St. Louis and Minnesota. I think what about below West that? Is- would you rather face Nashville and Dallas or Los Angeles yeah. and Anaheim? I'd, I'd rather face uh, Edmonton. I would rather face, I, yeah. Edmonton is kind of a wild card because you never know what you're going to get. If they get goaltending, it's going to be a much different talk yeah. a month from now when we see how everything settles with the deadline. The other thing, too, Minnesota, if they make one or two moves, I think they're legitimate cup contenders. They so, are pressuring to get Flurry. I don't think – I mean, I guess Flurry, but – Which I think that would make them a lot better. But also, I think they need a center. They need, they need a center. Hurdle. Yeah. Honestly? The two – yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I was them, I'd spoke, go after him badly. We spoke about him. it earlier. He's on the three teams that he wants to go for, and he's the centerman, are all in the central. Claude Giroux. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, Hurdle said the three teams he wants to go for? No, no, Giroux. Cool, Drew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, he could help any of those three teams out. Mm-hmm. Thing is, if you're Minnesota, I don't think you mortgage your future for a run this year. No. You have Boldy coming up doing huge things. You have Kaprizov, who's young. I don't think you trade away a, a litany of picks to get a rental. Yeah. Plus, you uh, have Marco Rossi, who's a center that could become what you need mm-hmm. in next year. Yeah, potentially so. So I guess it depends on what the what the ask on Drew is, which I feel like it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot. So oh yeah. The Avs. I think the Avs are fine. I don't think the Avs make a move. Do you? I think they do, just because of Cadre's uh, history in the playoffs. Oh, they get See, depth scoring. No, I I, I think like, if they make a move. It's for a, a backup goalie. Just because their goalies have had injury his- issues in the past, and who's you their backup right now? Uh, Pavel Francois. Yeah, Francois. Yeah, Francois. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm terrible with last names, as you heard in the interview. So yeah, we'll I see mean, what we'll we'll see what he does. What they do again, though, they, yeah. they have a window. I don't see him making a big move and d- giving up picks because they're one of the teams, like the teams that are going to absolutely mortgage their future for a run this year. Tampa, Pittsburgh, they both will. Um, Toronto probably could. Other than that, though, maybe Florida, maybe, probably not Florida. Boston. <laughs> Vegas already did. Distance. Yeah, if Boston gets within <laughs> shouting distance because they have a, an aging core. But everyone else is going to want to kind of stay, like, stick tight. I don't see why they would. But I mean, I Vegas didn't mortgage just for this year. Like Eichel is going to be there long term. Yeah, they got they got Eichel for a while. I'm talking the Craig Reve, the, uh, the bad trades that last year that are Bill Gary yeah. to the Sharks. That's just a rental. The team that's um, going to trade for Ventura. Well, <laughs> well, what I meant is Vegas doesn't have a future to mortgage anymore. They don't have mm-hmm. any more pieces. So, yeah. Well, here's my favorite thing though: the Pacific. First place is Calgary. Fifth place is the Ducks, and there's only seven points between them. You this division what, honestly, changes week by week. In the Pacific, I'm going to the playoffs. I'm scared of Calgary. Yeah, they're Markstrom. They're nasty. Well, Markstrom they're, and also now, now with the addition of Toffoli, like he's been playing mm-hmm. really good there. They need they needed the depth scoring. They went out and got it. What's funny is, too, he's with the guy he, they were in on. So, like, 
Anyone from LA to Vancouver, Calgary was in on the trade. They wanted it. They lost that in the bidding war. Mm-hmm. And then it was when when he, when he signed in Montreal, they were bidding on him and he didn't sign there. But it just yeah, it's funny because like they were talking about it like on the Calgary media this time. Like I think they think they overpaid for the guy, but they wanted to make sure they actually won the trade for once. <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll see. This this specific division is going to be fun because I have no idea. I still think. The three California teams are going to fall. Like San Jose has kind of started to fall. They're now two, four, and four in their last ten. And if I, I'm a Sharks fan, I want them to lose every game for the rest of the season. That's what I want. And you can say it's not a fan, whatever. But they're just they're not good enough to compete. They're just they're not, not catching Montreal. Well, they're not. Yeah, they're not going to win a cup though. <laughs> so I just want them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. With, and you know that the league is rigged and they're going to give Montreal the first overall pick. It's just how it works. But no, um, Look at Arizona. Batman loves his coyotes. It's true. But, um, so, we all know somehow Edmonton is going to end up with the first overall pick. <laughs> yeah, it's probably true. Um, but yeah, the Sharks, man, it's been the only bright spot I have for this season is that the young guys are playing well. The yes. Benino and all those guys that they signed in the offseason to kind of one year – bridge deals for vets aren't playing very well but Dolan's playing well a lot of the young guys are playing well but the the big thing is going to be hurdle if hurdle resigns i think the sharks kind of retool on the fly try and get a couple draft picks maybe trade away like lebank or someone who can go play third line minutes and give a team 20 goals but i don't if they if they if hurdle says he's not going to resign they get the farm for him and trade everybody else so that's that's what I'm waiting for for San Jose. So I have a question about San Jose actually for you, Chad. I yeah. heard a ridiculous rumor uh, mm-hmm. from some French media that <laughs> if uh, Wilson can't come back as GM, they might look at hiring um, Martin Madden Jr. from the Ducks. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, the Ducks are going to be a wagon too. We talk about Detroit. I think I think a Ducks and Detroit. Um, I almost just said World Series, then Super Bowl. I think a Ducks and Detroit Stanley Cup, very plausible in the next five years. Um, so I'd be fine to... with it. I mean, Madden, the Sharks, the thing is with the Sharks is not everybody knows, but Doug Wilson has been there forever since 2001, I think, or 2002. Might be the longest tenure GM in the NHL, minus one or two, maybe. I think he was, except for Rutherford. Um, Liam's looking that up, but his son in Nashville, his son is the head of scouting. He is all over that building. He commands respect in that building. I think nothing more evident than him taking a few month leave for health reasons and no one batting an eye. It's about 50, 50 with people who love Doug Wilson and hate Doug Wilson. He's made some bad trades and signed some bad contracts, but the thing is, is not to not to be rude to you here, Paul, but the Sharks, since Doug Wilson's took over, what, five conference finals, a Stanley Cup loss. If one of those years breaks their way, they get a cut. This guy's having a parade. Him, right? They were contenders for so long that, of course, now you're going to have that back end where you got some bad contracts and a few years of rebuilding. But all that being said, if they're going to make a change, they need to completely flip everybody and everybody needs to get fired. They need to fire their whole scouting department. They need to fire everybody. 
their coaching, everyone. So if that's the route they want to go, that's a couple year process, I think, for a guy to get come in and get their players in place. But I wouldn't hate Mark Madden. Um, I don't want an old guy. I don't want yeah. an old head. I want someone new. I want a hire that's um, – yeah, I can't think of a name off top. But like a Danny Briere or someone like that who's who's been around it, kind of knows what he's doing, but give him a shot. I'm okay with that. That's what I want. So, so Martin, Martin Madden's okay. Yeah. What did his – why is it – his dad was Pittsburgh, right? Why do I know that name? His dad, his dad played for the Nordiques. Mark Madden, why do I know? Is Mark Madden – I think Mark Madden might be a, a radio host. Martin. Too. Martin. Mark Martin? No, his name is Martin Madden. I was right, though. Mark Madden is a sports talk show host in Pittsburgh, so I was right about okay. that. Um, yeah, so, Martin, so Martin, Madden, I, Martin Madden, I don't know. Martin, Martin Madden Jr. and Martin Madden are the um, – yeah, Martin Madden Jr. works for the Ducks. Martin Madden played for the for – the, Yeah, uh, I mean, I would like it. I, I don't really like the recycled nature of it, of just getting someone else. I would like someone coming in from – from somewhere in youth hockey, not in youth, in junior hockey or international or someone that has a completely different perspective. Like the Habs did? the thing that the Shark – no, not like the Habs did, not someone who was coaching peewee. But um, <laughs> what, what, the, what the Sharks have always been good at, and I said I was going to limit myself to a couple minutes, so we're going to have to stop here. But what, what the Sharks have always been good at is finding diamonds in the rough from overseas. They've gotten a lot of players that have put up numbers – from overseas that weren't supposed to put up numbers that they'd get in later rounds or that they'd get that just ended up being good picks and all that, not to mention their trio of Finnish goalies at one time, but that's what they've been good at. And I would hate to see that go away because I think that's been a point of emphasis for the sharks. And I think it's worked. So, um, you know, for any sharks fans out there who might be pulling your hair out because I like the guy, um, you know, Joe Thornton was one of the best trades in NHL since the last 20 years. And you can say the Bruins, you know, if the Bruins don't win that cup, right? Their one cup in whatever that was, 11 or whenever they won that cup. They don't win yeah. that cup. They're in the exact same position as the Sharks. Oh, that's that what you cup just happened. Okay. <laughs> that cup, that cup, and again, it's just, it's a matter of bounces. I think yeah. the Sharks were good enough to win the Stanley Cup two or three times. And as a general manager, that's your job, right? Your job isn't to play. It's to put a team together that can win. And I'll stand by him. I've told the story a thousand times on the podcast. Not going to tell it again. But I'll stand by him because of how kind this man is. And it's not hockey related. I just like the guy. So that's why I stand by him. But if we go a different direction, blow it all up. That's that's my thing. Um, but and yeah. just for listeners who are wondering, it is – Hoyle from uh, Nashville, yes. who's the longest tenured GM in the NHL. He's been the GM since '97. Gee, is that the whole? Then weren't they? Is that when they came yeah. into the league? Yep. Yeah, he's That's been the GM since induction. Um, is, is Doug Wilson next? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was after the lockout, right? Yeah, he was hired in '03. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they had one bad year. I think '03. Oh no, '03, '04. They made the conference finals. They yeah. lost to the Flames. That's when Sutter left the sh- coaching the Sharks, and then 
went to the Stanley Cup with the Flames and they got screwed out of a goal in game six and the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the one last thing I want to talk about that we that's getting more news. I mean, we haven't talked about it on air, at least I haven't with you guys. Do you hate the Arizona? Like, I, where are you guys at with the Arizona, the, <laughs> the, the stadium, the arena, being on ASU's campus? Where are you guys at with that? I'll let Liam go first because I have a lot of thoughts on this. So my, my thoughts on the whole thing is that I – honestly, I, I think it's it's ridiculous the fact that they're playing in a 5,000-seat arena. Um, I don't care wait, wait, what – Wait, uh, after the renovations, it's going to be close to closer to 3,000. Even better. There are some junior teams in Canada that have, that have a higher seating capacity, which will have the, same, the proper seating that the NHL requires for standards. Like, I believe almost every team in the CHL has about 6,000 plus. Uh, I know the Ottawa 67s, their arena, I believe, holds 12,000 people. Um, so that's the fact to me that I got, I got, I'm a Canadian, so I'm just I, everywhere in Canada you go, it's crazy with hockey, right? So there's a lot of other markets, in my opinion, that would host this. But again, I don't think it's – like Chad said, I think it could work in Arizona. It's just that the team's been – a victim of very, very bad ownership and consecutively bad ownership. Their biggest mistake ever was leaving Phoenix and going to wherever they are now. They should have never left Phoenix. They should have never left Phoenix. Um, but however, now you made your bed, you left a lie in it. Um, I. But what I didn't read is that if they don't have the arena deal done by, I believe it's end of March, that the deal is off the table for the arena. The 5,000 mm-hmm. seats. That's what I heard. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens with that. Are they but playing hope... Gila River next year? No. no. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. March of this They're year. Vic- Got it. I thought you meant March of next year. No, so no. Where are they playing? Yeah. So so, so if, if by March of next year they don't have a, like a deal done in Tempe to get a permanent arena done within three years, the NHL is going to like cancel that whole 5,000 seat thing. At least that's what I read somewhere. I don't know if it's actual factual, that's factual or not. I guess we'll wait and see what actually happens with this, but something needs to be done. Um, I know Elliot Friedman spoke about it on his podcast, him and Jeff Merrick. They do a really good job. And they said they believe what would happen if the Tempe deal can't get done is that the NHL so, will buy the, the – no, no. So the NHL is going to buy the team from the Coyotes and then sell it as an auction to the highest bidder. Um, kind of what – the MLB did with the Montreal Expos when they went to Tampa Bay. They went to Washington. Oh, yeah, sorry, Washington. Yeah, when the Expos mm-hmm. went to Washington. Sorry for that. I'm not a huge MLB fan, but thanks. Same thing with the, the Pelicans or the, the Hornets got they got bought by the NBA too, I think. Yeah, I yeah. So they got bought by they got by they get bought by the league and then they get auctioned off to the highest bidder. Um and the bidders for the team, there's three big dogs in this. Uh two of them have an arena to play, and if they win the auction, one does not have a guaranteed arena because so Houston's one of the, one of the guys that are contention, they have a place to play, but they don't have a potential owner in Houston. Cause the yeah, Rockets Maury, owner, Maury would buy it. Is that the Rockets owner? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he already came on and said he, he didn't want to buy an NHL team. He said, yeah, I think he'd buy it. Continue. Anyway, yeah. this is what he said publicly. I'm sure that's, that's the facts. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. He has said that he would, rent his arena, but he won't, he doesn't want to buy an NHL team. Um, 
Quebec City obviously would be bidding on it for doubtful level workout. And then the other one is Kansas City because they built an arena, I believe, in 2016 to hopefully bring NHL and never actually hand out for them either. Yeah, I, I hate the idea of it going to some stupid city in the U.S. I think if um, they want to do it, they should do it in Canada or they should do it somewhere in a, a U.S. state that you wouldn't think of. I, I just I like the regional aspect of this. I like that there's a team in southwestern United States, although with Vegas, it kind of does mitigate. You don't really need it there anymore, but. Um, Paul, what do you want to say about the, the arena? And then I'll say what I have to say about it. I have one I more think... thing to say for you. Oh, go ahead. Uh, my, my last thing is to uh, a place I honestly would like to like it to go so it stays in the Central Division is Saskatchewan, like Saskatoon or Regina. But uh, anyway, that's the last thing I have on that. I, I am so done with giving Arizona chances. I am sick of it they've had a lot they've had the nhl own the team already once they've had uh multiple owners multiple gms nothing has worked if this doesn't work i will give them two years in the 5000 seat arena if that doesn't work if they can't sell that and can't put a a good team on the pro on on the ice a good product on the ice and they keep going down the same road of bringing in players just to trade them, I I'm done with it because management manage their management is has been horrible for the past couple of years. They are literally just paying players just to meet the cap floor. Seems like just to stay in the NHL. They had problems paying their bills earlier this year. They've had so many issues in the past. They've had problems with their GMs there. With Chaika, was that his name? Yeah. He, the whole, whatever it was he did with the prospects, he tested them or something, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, he got caught for something that I think everybody does. I think it was one of those situations. The league's also got caught doing that. Okay. Well, still, it was a problem for the, for, it was a problem. Mm -hmm. It was a known about problem. They have problem with money. They have problem getting fans there. They need – if they don't get the deal to get the arena in Tempe, mm-hmm. I think they got to move them. I don't think there's anything else that they can do mm-hmm. because you need a place to play, if anything. You need – you can put a bunch of guys on the ice like they do every year, it seems like, for the past, what, four years? They just put guys on the ice. They can play. Cool. We have a team. But if you don't have a place to play, then it becomes a real issue. That's my problem with it. I just think if there's cities that want and will support this team, why not put them where they're wanted and where they will have a chance at least to succeed instead of having the NHL constantly try to bail them out by owning the team? Yeah, so uh, here's my take on it. As someone who's from an area that doesn't love hockey, right? San Jose, the Bay Area is not – they are not hockey fanatics. There was an NHL team here in the seventies that flamed out. The sharks had, were one of the best attended games or attended teams in the league for a long time. That has since faded out. Um, you need 
the thing you need to change it is hockey. You need winning and you need hockey. That's a not a short process. Here's what I'm saying. If they get this arena, this 5,000-seat arena, and they pack it, and it's full every day, if I'm the owner of the Coyotes, I don't even know who it is, if I'm him, I'm saying $10 tickets for ASU students. I'm saying $5 beer for ASU students. And I'm saying let's get 4,500 or however many people in here every single game. Because if you can get that and then you put an arena down the street, those people are going to go. You know they are. So that's my thing. And I agree with what you guys are saying. If they can't get an arena in Tempe, then I there's no reason for them to stay. If, if they can't get an arena at Tempe, sell the team, move them somewhere else. Um, I think they should move to like somewhere, you know, like Minnesota or like way Northern Michigan. Or I think that would be really cool to get a team that was in that area. But um, I want a team in Wisconsin. I think that'd be cool. Or Iowa, man. The Iowa Wild pack their barn. Yeah. It'd be fun to see a team there too. But that being said, you keep saying they have a whole bunch of chances. They've had no owners. They've had the worst ownership in the big four sports, probably, except for the racist ones, since the year 2000, right? Like, except for Sterling and the owner of the Reds and all those people who got thrown out of the leagues. Like, their ownership has been horrible. It's just been awful. And then they had Chica, who made them a laughing stock. You know, but then you think about it, they have had good players come through there. Yeah, you know, I just I Kachuk, made a joke the other Doan, day. You had OEL, you had Gar, you have players that have come through there. Yeah, that are good players. My my thing and my final thing is you have this. Let's say they get the arena approved. Okay, so okay, first things first. Arena doesn't get approved. Move them. The yeah. arena gets approved. You have three years to build a fan base. I think the way you build a fan base is you get a whole bunch of people to fight. You bring them in. You make it like the federal hockey, the federal prospects league have people fight and have them just do that. That's what I think you do. You have them at home. You make it as rowdy of an atmosphere as you can, because I don't care who you are, unless you have 17,000 packed to the gills, a 5,000 seat arena full or a 3,500 seat arena full is almost crazier because it's smaller. So it's louder. Can you imagine? I mean, again, this is miles away considering how bad the coyotes have been. Could you imagine an NHL playoff game in an arena with 5,000 people? I know that's like good and bad for the same reasons, but that would be crazy to see. That. It would it would kind to of be like a Nassau Coliseum. There and have like mm, way worse than that, but yeah, like but yeah, the NHL yeah. Net, like NHL Network and TNT and all those guys there would be so much fun. And other side beers raining down. They're saying, yeah, the people that are saying like, oh, this is bad for the NHL. This is. You know, the NHL just put out basically that they allowed sexual assault within one of their organizations and didn't do anything about it. Don't wear your black hats now and say that this isn't good enough for the NHL. The NHL is a money-making organization. If Arizona can make money, they will stay there. That's as simple as it's going to get. So everyone who's saying that this is a bad look for the NHL, yeah, sure, whatever. But I'll tell you something, if they get 4,500 packed fans in there, it's going to look a lot better than an empty Gila River arena. So that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm looking at um i hope arizona stays i really do they have the best logo in sports if they have to retire that i'm gonna be really upset but um yeah that's all i got on that i don't know if we have anything else but i was just gonna say I, I think i don't know if you guys follow wrestling or not wwe but they have a third brand called nxt that they put in a yeah uh, 
they put in Full Sail University in Florida. And that atmosphere is awesome. That crowd is pumped up like crazy every night. They If they build something like that to get the crowd into it and even the college kids, like you said, get the college kids. If you can, why not, right? If you can fill it, fill it. If they build something like that and get it started and then take it to the bigger arena, I think those guys, those fans will go. But you have to build that. You have to put something on the ice. Even like you said, if it's fighting, if even if you make it more entertainment-based than winning-based, sure, do what you can. Do what you got to do. Make uh, Antoine Roussel your captain, right? But is make it work somehow. I, I don't... Right. I don't want to move the team because it's because it's a pain in the ass to the NHL to move a team. And I don't want to move them just to move them. I want to move them because I don't want to keep saying, oh, Arizona's at the bottom of the league again. Arizona's at the bottom of the league again. Well, and the thing is, is like moving them to Arizona or moving them to Houston, moving a team to Seattle or expanding to Seattle. It's like, cool. You're going to have an instant rivalry with the Canucks. You're going to have hockey in a great place. Seattle's an awesome town for people who haven't been there. Yeah. You're moving them to Houston? Why are you moving them to Houston? Move them to Oklahoma City? You're moving it? Why? Move them somewhere where it's actually interesting. That's that's my thing. If you're if you're if you're the NHL, you can't move them to some stupid like American city. Move it somewhere. Put another team in the Northeast. Put a team in Maine. Whatever. Put a team somewhere else. Houston's because it's the largest TV market without an NHL team. Yeah, but who cares? There's yeah, that, a million the, people that live in Glendale. The reason no one to the games. It's just no. I'm saying that's the reasoning. NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the NFL works in Glendale, but the NFL is a much bigger sport than hockey in America. Exactly. So. If you put it, they're expecting NFL type numbers in Houston for a hockey team. Which look how long it took to build Dallas up into a hockey market. Dallas has always been a good team, had always been a good team, but it took them a while for them to even get youth hockey big in Dallas, and now it is. But the Houston hockey team, when they had the WHF, they were kind of popular, I think. They have an AHL team that does good, but it's an AHL team. It's not yeah nothing against the AHL. They had the Houston Arrows. Oh, they don't anymore. No, it's don't? Texas Stars. Yeah, it's the Texas Stars. Since Cedar oh, Point, yeah. is that Houston? Or Cedar Park? Cedar Park could very well be a suburb of Houston. I don't know. Because I know that's is. where the Maracuna are playing know. right now. I'm not a Texas uh, geography guy. I just uh-huh. know about Amarillo. I'm, I just know Amarillo because it's an adjacent Aldean song. song. Great them, song, by the way. Put them in El Paso. Call them the Guerreros. The El Paso Guerreros. Yes. The where where the stars are the Texas stars are outside of Austin. Okay. Okay. But, um, but yeah, that's I think that's about it for this episode. Next week, hopefully, we'll have some trades to talk about as it heats up. Uh, the Sharks are losing yep. to the or the the Golden Knights right now, so that'll be fun. Um, keep um, filling for Shane. Hopefully, we get lucky and get a first overall pick. No nah, man, it's going to the Coyotes. First in the history of the team. I yeah, I mean it has to be. I think also <laughs> the Habs win. If the Habs win the lottery, it's the first time the Habs ever win the lottery in the history of the franchise. Habs win the lottery, it's rigged. 100% rigged. Oh, yeah. How? They're the worst team in the NHL. <laughs> the worst team in the NHL almost never wins the lottery. First time. I know. 
And second, because it's, I mean, look at what happened in the NBA with Cleveland. Look at that. Then, then we'll, we can talk about it. Yeah. But, um, okay. Yeah. All right. Bye for now. All y'all have a good week and stay safe out there. And remember to please buy our merch at fatdave.ca. And again, thank you to Russ Cohen for coming on and doing the interview. We, re- we greatly appreciate it. Have a good week.